Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. From shows like Sister Wives and the very foundations of Mormonism and other cults, polygamy is a practice that is seemingly becoming more and more popular as groups are having their followers multiply wives for themselves. So to discuss this topic of polygamy, a very important one, is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Wow, Chad. Uh, we knew the scriptures say that immorality would grow in the last days, lawlessness would increase, uh, but a lot of people didn't see these things coming. Uh, we saw certain things coming, but I remember watching the episode, I don't watch her, but I saw a clip from an episode of Oprah Winfrey uh, with some polygamists on there, and she was basically kind of kowtowing, just saying, well, this, you know, why should we judge people that are, and I'm like, wow, there's Oprah, uh, she's always kind of pushed the envelope in a lot of ways both with spirituality, opening people up to many ways instead of just she's being the only way, but she's also pushed some of that envelope in regard to morality. And she was seemed to be affirming polygamy to a degree. At least we shouldn't judge that if that's the lifestyle they choose. You know, that makes a lot of sense when you think of, you know, Oprah herself said that she had a problem at church when she heard from the scriptures that our God is a jealous God. That's right. And that makes a lot of sense because— if you are saying, hey, God can't be a jealous God, one of the things I would point to, Joe, is that any husband out there whose wife was sleeping with other men and you were not getting jealous about that, a righteous jealousy, I, I think that you don't really love them. But God made it very clear in his word, and you can see it over and over again. You can see it with the golden calf. When Israel opens themselves up to the neighboring gods and so forth, it hurts God's heart yeah, because that is spiritual adultery. And I believe God gave us the picture of marriage for the purpose of the marriage that we get to have now us being betrothed to one Christ. And so that makes a lot of sense when it comes to this. And so that picture, that great mystery that we see Paul talking about in the New Testament, so many people, and we can mention cult after cult after cult that get involved with this because it does feed the flesh ultimately. Yeah. When it comes to polygamy, it feeds the flesh. And like when you look at, I don't know, Muhammad, you know, and yes. not to mention he made a rule for how many wives he could have. Then all of a sudden Allah gave him another vision and he then could actually multiply more wives have for more himself and have more than the other Muslims. And then when you read the Hadiths and they brag about how he could sleep with all of them with one night. Yeah. You see the fleshly desires. And one of them was really young, right, Chad? Oh, Aisha. yeah. Aisha was really yeah. young. Depending on if you read Sahih Muslim or Sahih uh, Abukhari, one says she was eight, one says she was nine. Uh, yeah. Of course, they contradict. Big difference, right? And that he went and got her when she had her little dolls and he helped uh, yeah. pick them up. It's, I mean, it's gross. Pathetic, to, man. Gross to think about. But you have Muhammad here. You have uh, even the black Hebrew Israelites. They don't believe in polygamy. They believe in polygyny, which is yeah. only the men are Specific allowed men, to yeah. do it. And, you know, the popularization on TV shows, people loving Sister Wives, 12 seasons of a show, wow. 12 seasons of a show with a guy multiplying wives for, for himself. 
And Joe, now there was a recent, a couple of clips that went viral online. A Muslim woman, and the first clip that I saw personally was a Muslim woman talking about how she wants to be there for her husband and obey her husband and then submit to her husband, which actually there were some biblical principles there. That's because if you look at the Quran, it steals the things from the scripture that it tries to steal the things that we've been made in God's image and some of the law he's written on our hearts, but ultimately his flesh always comes out. But then I saw this video, Joe, and I said, you got to see this. And I sent it to you because this is that same woman whose video went viral about obeying her husband and trying to treat him nice and so forth. And here is what she had to say. You need to bring more women for your husband. Trust me, the moment you accept this, your life's going to change. Men need more than one woman, and men crave more than one woman. See, the thing is, we don't want to say this to ourselves. We prefer to say, I'm enough, but it has nothing to do with you. As a matter of fact, when you understand this and have this real talk with your husband, when you understand this, the bond you have with your husband will be unbreakable. That is really, really sad. I mean, uh, didn't she used to work with uh, that one guy, uh, Epstein? I mean, she's talking about actually finding women for the husband, which is just, wow. No, it is, when I watched that, the indoctrination. Yeah, she's brainwashed. It's sad. It is. And and I can say this from going out, Joe, and, and you took me out first time out sharing the gospel in the streets of Santa Monica, and then we started going every single week. And what I noticed is right away, and one of the things I love to do, and you love to do as well, Share the gospel of Muslims. I Amen. love sharing the gospel of Muslims. And one of the things I found, which I thought was interesting, was a lot of the men were somewhat reasonable. You talk to them. Some guys would get some fiery, but typically they were reasonable. They would try to debate with you. And I'm always, I'm always up for that. And I love having those discussions. But the ladies, the Muslim women were the ones, and a lot of times you could bring up, well, your hijab is not covering you. You're not wearing a hijab sometimes. You know, the things that you're doing right now, I'm sure you've drank, I'm sure you smoked. You could be killed if you went back to your home country, but you're out here partying it up. And they were the ones who were most vehement, the most adamant, the most angry. Yeah. In fact, there's videos of uh, online of our friend that would go down there, Lewis, sharing the gospel and him getting punched by yeah, a Muslim woman and been spit at and all that stuff. And, it, and it's very interesting. But what you said there, I wasn't even thinking about, but using Ghislaine Maxwell, as Epstein did, yeah. and now you have her trying to recruit other women to do the same thing. The same thing's going on with Andrew Tate yeah, being a, a, a trafficker. It's like sex trafficking, but, you know. Now it's under the guise yeah, of marriage. Guy, yeah. And when when you and I, the first time you took me to Israel with you, we met with 222 Ministries, and they told us about what was going on in some of these Muslim countries with these 15-minute marriages. Yeah. Where they would go in and sleep with a prostitute right. and marry them for 15 minutes, and then the next one right. would come. They could divorce their wife and be remarried in 15 minutes, yeah. It is And be so right with sick. Allah. Yeah. And be right. And one of the things that she was saying there, when you're listening to this woman and you see her with a smile, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Because, like, this is supposed to be the natural affection. This is supposed to be a real union. In yeah. fact, you're going to be closer. And this is all the lies you see here. And in the West, it's just in a different language. Because what they'll say is, you need to watch pornography together. What you're really turning on are women that are sex trafficked. Right. And, and, and against and their the will. it's the flesh, right, Chad? I mean, yeah. she's, uh, he's got an insatiable desire for more women. He's never going to be satisfied. Because the scriptures say the eyes of men, just like hell, is never full, never satisfied. That's a carnal man that's not been born of God. Amen. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because when you look at what's going on there, it reminds me of Hugh Hefner in the Carl's Jr. commercial, the founder of Playboy magazine. Uh, before he died, he did some commercials with, or a commercial at least, with 
with Carl's Jr. And he's eating a burger and he's talking about the different burgers. He goes, for men who don't like the same thing every night. You know, he's just a wicked man who, you know. That stuff will kill you more than yeah. one ways, too. But, if you, but, go to- you know, and everybody knows he's a pervert. But <laughs> yeah, here she is, you know, in the name of the false god Allah. This is acceptable. And by the way, that she doesn't share that the Quran states that she's allowed to be taken aside by her husband into the room and beaten. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Surah 434 yeah. uh, says just that, that if if she ashames him in any sort of way, that, that he's supposed to beat her. I and, saw, a, I saw a, a seeker-sensitive version of the Quran that says beat her beat lightly. lightly. Yeah, you remember yeah. that one? It's such a lie. It, there's none of that in the Arabic. No, and when exactly. you show it to a Muslim, they'll agree. Yeah. Is there anything here that, yeah. that, that, that right. says that? And, and, and Joe, when I see this, it hurts my heart. When you see it in the early formations of Mormonism, and of course, they change with the culture over and over again. Um, and it is so interesting. And I, we've talked about it, and we're just going to have to do it eventually. The parallels between Mormonism oh, yeah. and, and, and Islam yeah. and the millions that it's affected, billions in terms of, uh, in terms of Islam. And you see this, and you're like, wow, it's the same spirit. Over yeah. and over again. And ultimately, I think what we're dealing with here is the attack on the one true God and the relationship he has, the bridegroom with his bride. And that's ultimately when it comes down to all of this, where this is coming from. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned that parallel, Chad, because uh, earlier when you talked about God's jealousy, I was thinking of 2 Corinthians 11, which is a great parallel passage mm-hmm. to what you're talking about now, too, where Paul says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Uh, so there is a godly justice. It just says be angry. It said not there's a righteous anger. We can be upset over something that's really wrong, but we are make sure that we don't sin in that and do the same thing we're upset about or sin in some other way. But we seek the Lord and not let the sun go down on our anger. But you can have a godly jealousy. You know, if a guy, you know, uh, you know, you married my oldest daughter, but if somebody else came over prior to you ended up marrying her and said, I want to see your daughter, Holly, and I want to marry her. But, you know, he's got, you know, uh, uh, he's got this big, you know, six 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 tattooed on his forehead, and so forth. And he's got these, you know, all these satanic paraphernalia. And he says, "Yeah, you know, we're gonna just, you know, to go take her out." And, and, he's, and he's got a couple girls hanging on him, and just have a good time together. Uh, I'm gonna have a godly jealousy, you know. And I'm sorry, you <laughs> were not God. taking her out, you know, <laughs> and uh, so forth. And uh, not that Holly just went out; she never went out with guys like that. It was more of a courtship kind of thing. If she was ever gonna see someone, I was so glad she found you, Chad. But uh, it's just interesting. Because in Mormonism, the parallel is really uncanny. I mean, it's like I've got I've read several testimonies, and I know you've got something really interesting to say about this too. Because uh, I you didn't you didn't say it yet, so maybe I'll bring you back to that when you mentioned the parallels. And that was Joseph Smith's the diaries of his wives. His wives left journals. He's married to all these different women. He had more wives than the other Mormons too, just like Muhammad did. And that's probably one of the parallels you're definitely alluding to, Chad. But uh, that we have their journals. In fact, there's a historian from BYU, Brigham Young University, the Mormon biggest Mormon university, uh, the most popular Mormon university anyway. And uh, the historian there, he, you know, basically cites all these journals. And one, they're sad. I've read through some of these. And it's like, wow. And one of them is a gal who's young, and he would literally send. He'd want to marry young girls, you know, kind of like, you know, Muhammad, and he'd send their brothers because they would be the ones that would get ticked off on the missions then he told the parents you know what if you let me marry your daughter you'll be you'll get right into the celestial kingdom you know it's kind of like you know a, a treasure of merit of some sort you, you, get, you give me your daughter you won't have to go through all the typical uh, recommends and so forth that you would to get in the celestial kingdom give me your daughter you'll get you'll get a free pass but one gal 
She held out. She said no because she was in love with another young man and she wanted to marry him. And she said no, and Joseph Smith got so angry. And he, she still married her, the guy she wanted to marry. But then he came to her and he said that an angel has appeared to me with a great big sword and told me he's going to put me to death if he didn't divorce her husband and marry me. And she proceeded to divorce her husband and marry him. These are perverts using religion, not, not Christianity, to manipulate people, Chad. And here lies the parallel. Because Muhammad himself, the reason why in Islam you are not allowed to adopt, legally that is, is because Muhammad had an adopted son. But when Muhammad went to go visit his adopted son, very similar, it's sick to yeah. think about this, went to go visit his adopted son. When he opened the door, he saw the beauty of his wife and he goes, oh, well, man, she looks beautiful. Shuts the door, but they can't be together. But of course, Allah... Just like Joseph Smith had the angel come to him, Allah gets another vision, and God has changed the rules. And ultimately, that adoption isn't really legal. They can divorce, and now he gets to marry his adopted son's yeah. wife. I mean, Take the parallel there, and that's because it's the same bro. spirit. And it's and such so the many flesh. Parallels, but that's a that's a strike. Just not the fact I that they had wives. The, the, the yeah, Mormonism no, one. <laughs> but not that they just took wives, and they took more yeah. wives than their followers. But they had these, they justified taking women that were forbidden even because they were married to somebody else. Your adopted son, you know? No. <sighs> it, it, is, it is so interesting. And it, what I found even more interesting is when I was researching for this episode, Joe, one of the things I did was I went to Muslim websites and why do they say, uh, you know, Islam approves of polygamy? And do you know what they quoted on the website that I was looking on, an Islamic website? Doctrine and Covenants, oh, which yeah. is what? You mentioned that to Part me. of the quad when it comes to Mormonism yeah. in terms of the books that they They're believe sacred books, yeah. are sacred. And it's I'm like reading it, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But they're trying to make a case, Joe, that the Bible actually teaches polygamy as a normative practice. And one of the ways they do this is actually through Solomon. And they point that, look, Solomon had 700 wives. And so, obviously, polygamy is totally fine, and this is the natural order of things, and in fact, we should continue practicing that. So, I'd say with that, Joe, is there a case to be made against polygamy that we find in the Scriptures? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and Chad, as you know, we go back to the beginning. Uh, Jesus used what, you know, sometimes is called in, in law, the law of first mention. It was very uh, constitutional law when we're dealing with politics and so forth, and judge, and did you, did, the judicial branch, they'll they'll go back to the earliest what the law, the intent of a law, and so forth. Well, that's not new. That's something that's been going around forever. But guess what? We're not forever, but from time immemorial, all the way back to Jesus dealing with divorce and remarriage, and and giving grounds for remarriage, there would have to be adultery. Or Paul in the New Covenant says, if you know a non-believer leaves you, you're not bound to that marriage. But it was. Jesus went back to the beginning because these men were just divorcing their wives for any cause at all. And Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, closes with God hating the divorce and so forth. And then uh, what happens is you've got these Sadducees, you've got these Pharisees, you've got the followers of Shammai, which is a little more conservative marriage. There were quite a bit more actually than Hillel, who was a liberal rabbi, both the century before Jesus. They were major schools of thought regarding uh, marriage and and uh the followers of Hillel believed, you know, many of them, that you could divorce your wife for any reason at all. And they said, is it, is it, you know, acceptable or, you know, lawful to divorce your wife for any woman reason at all? 
there in Matthew chapter 19. And not to go through the whole passage there, because, but I do want to emphasize this, is that Jesus basically let them know that, I mean, the bottom line, when they kept pushing the point uh, in trying to use the law to say, hey, look, Moses said, divorce your wives. He commanded us to divorce our wives. Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But for the beginning, it was not so. He says, uh, in the beginning, the two became one flesh. Two, two, Adam and Eve. The two became one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man separate. We read in the very beginning, it says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then uh, the rib which the Lord had taken out from which he made it into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And then in verses 23 through 25, it says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And it says, They shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now notice, Chad, he doesn't name her. It's not Adam. And Steve, it's not two men, okay? It's not Adam, Eve, Joanne, Betsy, Kathleen. And, you know, it's not a bunch of people. It's two becoming one. And Jesus goes back to that to affirm that you need to stay married to your wife. Now, if she's committed adultery and you have grounds, but even then there should be prayerfully and hopefully, hopefully there could be forgiveness and repentance and reconciliation uh, with whoever the guilty party would be in that situation. The best thing is to stay away from that. But Chad, they'll say, well, yeah, what about Solomon and, you know, certain kings that took wives and so forth? And it's interesting because God gave a warning against that in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17 in the law, long before Solomon came around, right? Neither shall he multiply, talking about kings, wives to himself. Don't be getting more than one wife. Don't multiply wives to himself that his heart not turn away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver or gold. Well, what did Solomon do? He began to multiply these things to himself. And guess what? What was the result of that? What was the consequence of that? The consequence of that was in uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. And Chad, why don't you read that verse? Starting at verse 3, he says, He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. Wow. I mean, there it is, real clear, as clear as day. The very thing God warned them not to do, Solomon did. And even David had done that. And if you look at what happened to David's life, it, it got pretty messed up. I mean, he ended up committing adultery. Uh, he ended up uh, being judged because of that. There was consequences that reached into his very home that uh, his, his, his family life became pretty much a wreck. And those were some of the seeds that were sown in that. Now, it's interesting. Some will say, well, you know, well, why didn't God deal with it? Well, guess what? God was showing them that they couldn't keep the law and that they needed to, they needed to be saved by grace and turn from those things. So we read in Acts chapter 17, when Paul is preaching there in Athens, he says that God overlooked things that they had done in the past, but now he calls men everywhere to repent. Everybody's got to get right with Jesus everywhere, because now you can be saved, but you have to, you have to get you have to get right with God. It's interesting. So in the New Testament church, very clear under the new covenant, we read this, and I think it's very important. Uh, I've got 1 Timothy 3 open. Uh, if you're going to be a leader in the church, you're going to be an elder. Uh, you can't be like Solomon. He says, an overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Uh, some would say, well, you know what's interesting, Chad? I'm going through First Timothy right now on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's interesting. At Blessed Hope Chapel, you guys can check that out on our on our uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, here. we're at the end Any of Revelation of teachings, on yeah. Sundays and going through Timothy on, uh, Wednesdays. on Wednesdays. And it's just interesting because a lot of the commentators will point out that Paul must not have had polygamy in mind here because polygamy was not something that was going on in the Roman Empire at that time and so forth. 
And there was polygamy among the Romans earlier. That was, you know, and also among the Greeks. Uh, uh, Demosthenes, a famous Greek writer, wrote prior to Jesus coming on the scene, mistresses we keep for the sake of pleasure, concubines for the daily care of our persons, but wives to bear us legitimate children and to be faithful guardians of our households. Now, what's interesting about this, though, is even though the Roman Empire was not sanctioning mass polygamy, this is what's interesting. Justin Martyr, who is many believe the most important apologist of the second century, I believe him along with Irenaeus, he, his understanding that 1 Timothy 3.2 was forbidding polygamy. Well, why would it be forbidding polygamy if the Roman Empire wasn't condoning it? Because guess what? The Roman Empire had been condoning it in Jesus' day and also in the days of Justin Martyr in the second century among the Jews. You see, with Pax Romana, Chad, as you know, they let people practice their own religions. They wanted to rule everybody, but they didn't want it to be too difficult. So they didn't get too much into everybody's weeds as long as they keep control of the people and get taxes from the people. So they allowed the Jews, and guess what? Many of the Jews were codifying polygamy. In fact, it's interesting, Josephus, he's a first century historian, right? Uh, Josephus, the first century historian, writes, quote, for it is an ancestral custom of ours to have several wives at the same time. And there was actually rabbinical legislation that regulated polygamy at this time. In fact, it wasn't until 393 that the Roman Roman Emperor, Emperor Theodosius actually banned polygamy. I mean, you're talking about just like the Christian church had a lot of influence against slavery because the Romans, you could beat your slave, you can kill your slave, you could rape your slave. Uh, after Christianity became more accepted under Constantine, even though it got twisted and perverted, it influenced their laws. And all of a sudden, guess what? Abortion became illegal, uh, you know, uh, and taking abortifacients, which were abortion drugs, which are really popular now, which is called pharmakeia in the New Testament, became illegal. Beating your slaves, or, or I should say, raping your slave or killing your slave became illegal. And it also became illegal uh, in 393, it became illegal for the Jews. It was already illegal for the Roman citizens. Now it's illegal for the Jews. So guess what? What was the early church? What was Paul? He's Jewish, right? And he's writing to churches that have many, many Jews and then also Gentiles. He wants to make sure those old evil ways didn't creep into the church. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's so important. And you mentioned Acts 17 as well. So for us to get a, a better understanding of this. And I always, I love when Jesus is debating and one of my favorite things to look at is when you see some of the ways that he debates is that he's going over things and answering them. And, and I love this specific text, and it's a text I quote a lot, and, and we've quoted a lot on these shows, uh, in, in regards to the authority that Jesus placed upon Scripture and how, how the, at the high level that he placed on Scripture and just how literal we really should take it. Yeah. But— in Matthew chapter 22, this is an interesting exchange because we could have that debate and about the afterlife, which Jesus debates right here. But I want you to see the other thing that is going on because what takes place here is debating with the Sadducees and they're going to formulate an argument against Jesus, which he's going to answer. And I would assume that this is probably an argument that they've used against the Pharisees and the Pharisees have no answer. Yeah. And the Pharisees are basically like, well, we can't figure out how to trap this guy. So maybe you guys can help us trap him, right? And maybe use your tactics. That's just a, that's a little bit of a guess there, but it's interesting. They come together with the Pharisees, right? But here's what it says. On that day, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, and that means no afterlife, came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, 
His brother, as next of kin, shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us. And the first married and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brother. So also the second and the third, down to the seven. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had married her. So they're trying to conduct a reductio ad absurdum. That means to reduce whatever answer that Jesus gives down to absurdity. So if Jesus says, well, she's married to all of them. So now Jesus is affirming polygamy. Okay, but if he says, well, he's married to none of them. Now he's affirming all these divorces. So what's going on? What, how is Jesus going to answer this? Obviously, the Pharisees didn't have a good answer. Well, Jesus gives them an answer. But Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. Now, first of all, they're saying the Sadducees, many of which yeah. might have even had the entire Torah memorized. And he's telling them, you don't even understand the scriptures. I love that. Yeah. But Amen. verse 30, for in the resurrection... They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But then he doesn't stop there. I want to finish this just because we're in the we're in the scriptures together. But he says, But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? He was holding them to the fire, saying that the words were written by Moses thousands of years prior to that. Ultimately, have you not read what was spoken to who? To you, the very people who are reading this, when Moses wrote it, it wasn't just Moses writing That's it right. down for the Israelites at that time. They themselves, because it is the word of God and it's living and active, they basically, God's, or yeah, God in Christ Jesus is holding them to the words there saying they were spoken to you by God. He says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Amen. He is not the God of the dead, but the living. And they were all astonished at his teaching. So not only does he hold them to that, first of all, he gives them the answer for the question they have, this quagmire they think they have, and then he annihilates them basically off the tense of a verb saying that God is currently the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even though they had died before Moses was talking to the burning bush, right? And, right. and in that scenario. But one thing you see here is clearly Jesus doesn't affirm polygamy. No. He could have not. easily just said, well, she's married to everyone because polygamy is totally fine. So obviously I mean, that it's not okay. Does not affirm Mormonism? No, it doesn't affirm Mormonism, yeah. doesn't affirm... Um, Islam, that they're, none of it. Married to many wives for time and eternity. No, Jesus made it Mormons very, very, past. very clear, and and we see it off his creative order, as you mentioned, quoting Genesis chapter two twenty four when he is giving the teaching on divorce in Matthew chapter nineteen and remarriage and so forth, and showing us so clearly that the creative order, God's design, the same way that multiplying wives with Solomon. All of it was a detriment. It was the very thing, the prophecy in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, that the kingdom actually got split up because of what happened with Solomon, to Kin and also a military leader, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. But then also when you look at it, there was a promise that God would give him a rod and that he was also supposed to stay with the wife of his youth. And Solomon actually tells others to do that as well when he gets it right in his mind. And 700 wives and 300 concubines? That's like a, a thousand women. I mean, I'm married to one wife who I love and adore, man. But, you know, marriage can be a little bit of work, too, man. So give me a thousand. Uh, nah, you know, I'm happy with my wife, you know. Happy with <laughs> wife. And especially when you understand the great Mysterion, the mega Mysterion. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, that's why I brought up Second Corinthians 11, but I didn't really yeah. elaborate because I didn't want to cover some of this other stuff. But I'll just say that the mega Mysterion was, we're a picture of the bride. He doesn't have 35 brides. He has one bride. And, they, and, and if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, Jews and Gentiles come into one body, and we're all the bride of Christ in the end. And it's such a beautiful, wonderful picture. Hey, be a, be, ultimately, that scripture that I mentioned in 
1 Timothy 3.2, is to be a one-woman man, faithful to one wife. And that excludes adultery, and that excludes polygamy, excludes any kind of evil that Satan would try to tempt you with. Be faithful to your husband, be faithful to your wife. We're only here a short time. Stay right with Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.